June's Journey is a fascinating hidden object mystery gaming app where you'll play as June Parker, tasked with a daunting obligation, solve your sister's murder. Set in the 1920s, the era of glitz and glam, this family mystery is one for the ages. Everyone's a suspect until your investigation determines otherwise. The clues are all around you, hidden within tricky twists and turns. You'll collect detailed information about each character in your photo album where you'll comb over every detail. You can even join a detective's club to chat and play with others or against them in the detective's league. With hundreds of puzzles to solve, you should probably get started today. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Audible is the destination for thrilling audio entertainment with highly anticipated new releases. The time is now more than ever to embrace the breathtaking, sinister, and shocking tales that can enthrall you, especially with brand new exclusive thrillers from best-selling authors who are guaranteed to keep you gripped, like Amy Tintera's Listen for the Lie. With exclusive thrillers from best-selling authors, captivating sound design, and dynamic performances, Audible brings these stories to life like never before. And as a member, you can choose one title a month to keep from their entire catalog. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Tonight, the investigation into the Colorado Massacre as police charge a 21-year-old with 10 counts of murder. What we're learning about the horrifying moments inside and the extraordinary acts of heroism. Terror in the supermarket. The new eyewitness accounts as the shots rang out and the key details about the alleged gunman. His previous run-in with police, the weapon he bought a week ago, and why family and friends say he was angry. The workers and shoppers who lost their lives. And the father of seven, the first officer on the scene, gunned down the emotional tributes tonight. Witness to a nightmare, the quick-thinking shopper who filmed the horror unfolding. Oh, my God. Telling CBS News. Another friend of mine was not able to make it out. Call to action. President Biden lowering the flags at the White House and raising the stakes in the gun debate. We can ban assault weapons and high-capacity magazines. Also tonight, vaccine setbacks. AstraZeneca accused of using partial data to announce its vaccine trial results, plus the growing concern that millions of doses of another shot could be delayed. Children of the crisis. New video inside those facilities for unaccompanied minors and the smuggler showing CBS News how he sneaks people across the border. Long delays and failed deliveries. The Postal Service's plan to overhaul mail delivery. Will it mean longer waits and higher prices? And they call him the handyman with a heart of gold. But it's his kidney that turned out to be priceless. This is the CBS Evening News.
Mornings with Nora O'Donnell, reporting from the nation's capital. Good evening and thank you for joining us. Nora is off. I'm Margaret Brennan. We're going to begin with breaking news on the fast-moving investigation into that massacre at a Boulder, Colorado supermarket. Tonight, a 21-year-old suspect is in jail, charged with murdering 10 people, including the first police officer at the scene. Investigators say while they still don't have a motive, the alleged shooter, Ahmed al-Issa, seen here in handcuffs after the shooting, was known to police. And they say he had just bought a high-power rifle last week. Family members say he was troubled, antisocial, and angry. And none of that is any comfort to the families of the victims who died, men and women working in the King Super store, or just doing one of the most mundane tasks of American life, buying their groceries. Tonight, we're getting new details about the accused gunman, about the lives he took, and we're hearing from the man who live-streamed the shooting on his phone. Plus, President Biden is weighing in, opening up a new debate about gun control after the second mass shooting in America in just a week. We've got several reports tonight, beginning with CBS's Omar Villafranca, live in Boulder, Colorado. Good evening, Omar. Margaret, uh, the emotions here in Boulder are still raw. And while police are still processing the scene behind me, there's a growing memorial in front of the supermarket. You can see flowers and cards left by strangers. After 10 people were killed, the big question that remains unanswered is why. 21-year-old Ahmed Alyssa is now in the Boulder County Jail, charged with 10 counts of first-degree murder. His capture at the end of the almost hour-long rampage caught on a live stream. Alyssa in handcuffs in nothing but shorts, blood running down his right leg. Can you tell us at all if anything about the suspect's injuries in the hospital? He uh, suffered a, a leg wound. It was a, a through and through wound to his leg, um, middle section of his leg. Look, there's... Holy Reports of gunfire started around 2.40 p.m. Monday afternoon. According to arrest documents, witnesses say they saw the gunman shoot a male in his car and they saw the gunman shoot an elderly man in the parking lot before walking up to him and shooting him several times. Emergency crews were dispatched while shots were still being fired. All right, looks like we have an active shooter. Ryan Borowski was inside the store getting something to drink when he heard a gunshot. The first gunshot was confusion. Everybody, everything seemed... um, Silent. What did you think it was? Uh, may I? I thought it might have been a big piece of sheet metal. Uh, somebody employee dropped. The only option for me was run. Borowski managed to escape through the loading docks. According to the arrest document, Alyssa was taken into custody by a SWAT team, leaving behind a green tactical vest, a rifle, and a semi-automatic handgun. Police say gun records show he bought a semi-automatic rifle on March 16th, 2021. Ten others didn't make it out, including Boulder Police Officer Eric Talley, the first to arrive on the scene, a 10-year police veteran and father of seven. A visibly shaken Boulder Police Chief Maris Harrell says it's a painful day for the department, but her officers will continue to do their jobs. Don't lose your compassion, and we'll get through this. Alyssa grew up 30 miles south of Boulder. His family migrated from Syria. Alyssa's brother spoke to the Daily Beast and said he was mentally ill, paranoid, and was very antisocial. Police are still looking for a motive. 
do want to stress that the investigation is really in its early stages. And we're going to work incredibly hard to see it through to completion. Police records show that Alyssa had one misdemeanor charge of assault while he was in high school. A source also tells CBS News that they're looking into his online background to see if he could have been influenced by anyone online. And so far, Margaret, they say they don't have any evidence of that. Omar, thank you. Tonight, as Boulder mourns, we are learning more about those who lost their lives and hearing from the witness who streamed the horror live online. Here's CBS's Jonathan Vigliotti. Someone's down right here. Millions watched Dean Schiller's live stream. Guys, we got people down inside King Supers. Look, there's... Holy... When did it become clear to you something was very wrong? Soon as I saw that body on the ground. Right Schiller there. had just left the King Supers ahead of his friend Denny Stong, who was still paying for his lunch at the register. There's a shooter, active shooter, get away! What Schiller didn't know during his live stream was that Stong would be among the victims. He was a really smart kid. Uh, he was uh, training to be an airline pilot. The 10 victims range in age from 20 to 65. Lynn Murray was a retired mother of two, filling an Instacart order. Terry Liker, 51, worked at the store for 31 years. And Eric Talley of the Boulder Police was the first one on the scene. The 51-year-old father of seven ran straight inside, but never made it out. I was... Uh... Devastated when I heard the news. We spoke with his father by phone from his home in Texas. He started at the bottom and worked his way up. Tally had quit his computing job at age 40 to join the Boulder Force. He was also the kind of dad who taught all his children the Heimlich maneuver in case they'd ever need to save a life. One actually did. When Officer Tally's body was removed from the scene last night, it followed a long procession. Scores of first responders lined the street in salute. And after hearing of his death, his younger sister tweeted, I cannot explain how beautiful he was. Fly high, my sweet brother. And Tally was followed by other first responders who ran inside to help save lives. The governor visited Boulder today and had this to say about the scene, horror and terror as people shopped for milk and eggs. Margaret. Jonathan Vigliotti, thank you. We turn now to the White House, where today President Biden called on Congress to strengthen gun laws. But that's expected to run into tough opposition in the Senate. Here's CBS's Weijia Jiang. President Biden's order to lower the flag honoring victims in Colorado came after it was just raised last night following the Atlanta shooting. Another American city has been scarred by gun violence and resulting trauma. And a state that I even hate to say it because we're saying it so often, my heart goes out. The president urged lawmakers to immediately ban assault rifles in high-capacity magazines. This is an American issue. It will save lives, American lives, and we have to act. But Mr. Biden knows how difficult this will be. After the Sandy Hook massacre in 2012, President Obama asked him to come up with a package of gun control measures. None were passed by Congress. Today, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer vowed to push two House bills that would expand background checks. This Senate will be different. 
But even West Virginia Democrat Joe Manchin said he won't support the legislation. During a Judiciary Committee hearing about guns, Texas Republican Ted Cruz blasted it too. Democrats propose taking away guns from law-abiding citizens. What they propose, not only does it not reduce crime, it makes it worse. In the wake of the Atlanta shootings, where six of the victims were Asian women, Democratic senators are demanding more representation for Asians among high-level administration positions. Tonight, Tammy Duckworth of Illinois and Maisie Hirono of Hawaii say they will block the president's nominees if they are not diverse until they get a commitment from the White House. Margaret? And that will get attention. Thank you, Weija. Tonight, there are new questions about the effectiveness of AstraZeneca's COVID vaccine. Health officials say data from the company's U.S. trial may have used outdated information. The U.K.-produced vaccine is not yet approved for use here in the U.S., but it is in wide distribution around the world. Here's CBS's Meg Oliver. Tonight, accusing AstraZeneca, federal health officials and an independent oversight board saying AstraZeneca presented outdated and potentially misleading data about the effectiveness of its vaccine after the company announced yesterday that the vaccine was 79 percent effective against COVID infections. Also expressing frustration today, Dr. Anthony Fauci. It really is unfortunate that this happened. You know, this is really what you call an unforced error because the fact is, This is very likely a very good vaccine. But there's some good news tonight about Johnson & Johnson's vaccine after worries over supply shortages. The FDA late today cleared the way for a facility to help meet demand, but one other facility is still awaiting word. This is more than half the country has announced plans to make vaccines available to anyone 16 and over by the 1st of May. We're seeing more states uh, expand access to the vaccine, but do we have the supply? All of that depends on the supply actually getting to states and getting to uh, folks that can actually administer the vaccine. We haven't seen that yet. But time may be running out. As more people travel and new variants continue to fuel a rise in cases, New York reporting its first case of a concerning variant first detected in Brazil that is more contagious and at least 19 states now seeing a substantial increase in infections. Like New Jersey, which has the third highest positivity rate nationwide and where hospitalizations have topped 2,000 for the first time in a month. We got 12 COVID-19 admissions last night. That is a sharp increase uh, from what we've seen over the last several weeks. In fact, it's the highest number of uh, admissions overnight that we've had in uh, almost two months. Tonight, the uptick in the number of cases is a concern here in the New York metro area. But today, New York Mayor Bill de Blasio announced a bold move bringing back 80,000 city employees May 3rd, an effort to send the message New York is trying to return to normal. Margaret? trying. Thank you, Meg. Now to the crisis at the border. Tonight, the Biden administration is on track to open at least six emergency facilities to house the migrant children who are streaming into the U.S. It may not be enough. CBS's Manuel Bajorquez reports from Juarez, Mexico. Tonight, migrants keep showing up at the border. Why are you leaving Guatemala? A better life for your children. We met this Guatemalan family crossing the border along with 16-year-old Isabel, who they are helping make the journey too. They're sick. 
She says she's hoping to work in the U.S. to support them. Without a parent or legal guardian here, Isabel may be the only one allowed to stay in the U.S. and make her case after being picked up by Border Patrol agents. Today, U.S. Customs and Border Protection released new videos of unaccompanied minors and some adults being held at two temporary processing facilities in Texas. More than 16,000 migrant children are currently in U.S. custody, 5,000 of those in the hands of the Border Patrol, who are encountering about 530 unaccompanied minors every day. The administration is now directing shelters to fast-track the release of unaccompanied minors with a parent or guardian in the U.S. who can care for them. And he's taking us to his backyard here. We found this smuggler in Juarez who spoke with us on condition of anonymity. He says he doesn't see the flow of migrants slowing down. Even with the risk of being deported, they still want to try. Family members in the U.S. tell them to keep trying, he says. He gave us access to his operation, the ladders used to scale the wall, and the holes in this wall to keep an eye out for Border Patrol. A thousand dollars for a chance to get over. So in six months, 80 to 100 people have paid you to get over. Le han pagado para usar las escaleras. But we have watched repeatedly as some migrants end up right here. The bridge leading from El Paso back into Juarez, deported and left with dire options. Try to cross again, seek food and shelter on the streets here, or return home. Margaret? Manny Bajorquez in Juarez, Mexico. There is important news tonight about the future of the U.S. Postal Service. The Postmaster General announced today a cost-cutting plan that he says will save it. CBS's Chris Van Cleve joins us from a post office in Virginia. Good evening, Chris. Margaret, this 10-year plan aims to take a potential $160 billion shortfall and turn it into profitability, but it could mean frustration for many Americans because the plan suggests slowing the delivery window for first-class mail from two to three days down to three to five days. Some post offices would see their operating hours cut, and postage prices are likely to rise. Without these changes, the Postmaster General says USPS will run out of money in less than a decade. The Postal Workers Union says it has deep concern over parts of the plan. Democratic lawmakers call it a non-starter. They want to see Postmaster General Louis DeJoy, a Trump appointee, fired after his moves to slow down mail delivery during the election season, but that is not a quick process. All this is happening as the post office is struggling with record low on-time delivery throughout the pandemic and the holiday season, something that continues to this day. Take this priority mail. It may say two days. It took 10 to get from New York to Washington just this week. Margaret. Chris Van Cleve. Tonight, investigators are looking into the cause of a deadly fire that ripped through an assisted living home north of New York City. One resident was killed and a volunteer firefighter is unaccounted for after part of the building collapsed. At least 12 people were hurt. Prince Harry has a new job. He's been hired by BetterUp, a Silicon Valley startup that provides employee coaching for corporations. With his new title of chief impact officer, the prince will help promote mental fitness. A good handyman can fix just about anything. What makes a great one? CBS's Chip Reed has the answer. Four years ago, Tony Antonelli got a new kidney. The donor was his wife, Mary. Unfortunately, last year, it started to fail. Sure enough, we, you know, had to look for another donor. 
But finding a match is difficult. Tony had only about five years to live. Bad news for a man with 13 grandchildren. Enter Dan Reynolds, an Army veteran who knows something about being down on his luck. He spent a few years living in a van. Even so, he's known in this Maryland neighborhood as the handyman with a heart of gold. After doing some yard work last October, Dan thought Tony looked pale and tired. I asked him if he was okay. And, uh, he said that uh, he had, might have had to go on a dialysis. His kidney was failing him. And I said, well, I'll be happy to give you a kidney. In fact, he said he'd be honored. Tony's reaction? Stunned. I started just crying and saying, oh, my God. It turns out they were a match, and four weeks ago they underwent successful surgery. Did you ever have a moment when you thought, why am I doing this? Uh, no, I sure didn't. Do you consider him a hero? Absolutely. Absolutely. But Tony and Dan have another name for each other. Blood brothers. Blood brothers. Absolutely. Part of the family. A family that now has more time together. It doesn't take much to help another human being. Just have to have some compassion. Chip Reed, CBS News, Gaithersburg, Maryland. Tomorrow, our series, Women and the Pandemic. The concerns created by all those cancer screenings delayed by COVID. If you can't watch live, set your DVR so you can watch us later. That's tonight's CBS Evening News. For Nora O'Donnell, I'm Margaret Brennan. Good night. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary and it's not boring. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money and maybe more importantly, on your life. I'm going to be your financial coach, someone who brings common sense and an insider's perspective on how to manage your money and your emotions. And I promise we are going to have a little bit of fun along the way. Have a question from retirement to career changes to college funding? Just send us an email at askjill at jillonmoney.com. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app. For more than two centuries, the White House has been the stage for some of the most dramatic scenes in American history. Inspired by the hit podcast American History Tellers, Wondery and William Morrow present the new book, The Hidden History of the White House. Each chapter will bring you inside the fierce power struggles, the world-altering decisions, and shocking scandals that have shaped our nation. You'll be there when the very foundations of the White House are laid in 1792, and you'll watch as the British burn it down in 1814. Then you'll hear the intimate conversations between FDR and Winston Churchill as they make plans to defeat Nazi forces in 1941. And you'll be in the Situation Room when President Barack Obama approves the raid to bring down the most infamous terrorist in American history. Order The Hidden History of the White House now in hardcover or digital edition wherever you get your books.